Welcome to the Dual Access Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Kriebel. On this podcast, I dive into the interesting journeys of people in data. And today, I'm speaking with Matt Mike. I met Matt through LinkedIn, and we've kind of gotten to know each other there. And we're going to talk a bit about his career today, because he's had a really interesting career change, and he's just recently gotten into data. But I think it's a really inspirational story, because I'm seeing a lot now where people are career transitioning out of things like teaching or um, just all kinds of different professions that have nothing to do with data into data. Matt is going through that same thing, and we're going to talk about his process and what he's going through there. So welcome, Matt. Thanks, Andy. Hi, everyone. Pleasure to be on today. Yeah. Well, I, I got to start with a recent LinkedIn post that, that you wrote. Um, you put it out publicly that you were out of work and you needed a job. Uh, why did you do that? I mean, that's like very vulnerable, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I still wonder if it was the right decision because nothing really came of it. Um, <laughs> Were you so, hoping yeah, to get like job offers and stuff? Yeah. I was hoping to go viral and I'd just get like 10 offers in my inbox like everyone else seems to. Um, <laughs> I just went for it. So uh, yeah, I had a, a full-time contract that ended December 31st. Um, interesting though, and, and I'll just be honest about this. I co-founded a, a BI development, Power BI development agency with another creator, uh, Alex von Reich, um, like early December. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a late co-founder. He's been he's been doing it since uh, last summer. I have mm -hmm. a couple of clients currently. And so kind of working that in the background, definitely not something that's producing like a full-time income for me. But I, yeah. I go back and forth of uh, kind of what I wanted to do, go back to a full-time job or uh, just kind of stick with this. And so I put that post out there just to see what would come of it. Like maybe a really cool opportunity would come my way. Um, nothing has yet, doesn't mean that <laughs> won't, but I was, I was expecting a little bit more, but it's given me a little bit of pause to think like, well, you know, maybe I should stick with what I'm doing. I have, um, you know, the, the uh, content creation through LinkedIn kind of does a little bit for me too, as like a cushion. Just some mm -hmm. of the digital products I have through there and, and some of the coaching I do there. And then trying to build up this uh, company we have called Control Analytics, which is a, a really exciting endeavor for us as well. That, that's great. And, um, you know, I've, I've noticed, you know, you're, you're posting more and more on LinkedIn. Your writing's getting better and better. Have you made a shift from, I didn't know you before LinkedIn. So um, mm -hmm. what's been kind of your journey on LinkedIn itself? Because, you know, you and I both are seeing a lot more people go moving to LinkedIn, right? So I moved off of Twitter completely. Everything's on LinkedIn now. Um, and I know that, you know, we kind of got connected because they were in the same community and everything. But w tell me a little bit about your LinkedIn journey. Yeah, the LinkedIn journey is, has been a really great one. So um, I would consider myself in the very beginning to, to be like a, like a lurker. Uh, I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn. And I, I followed some people and I would just check in every day on their posts and kind of get inspired. I would say this is probably early um, 2022, late 2021. And mm -hmm. uh, I just kind of read posts every day. And I would just kind of tell myself, like, I want to post, but I don't know what to post about. Um, in the Classic. middle, yeah, mid 2022, before I was actually in like a formal data analytics role, I was just experimenting with posts here and there and they would do surprisingly well for being kind of random posts. Mm -hmm. And I would try to talk about like productivity or something. Cause I just didn't know what else to post about. 
and then <laughs> I probably like once a week post something random. And then um, I kind of uh, discovered data analytics and that I wanted to do it. And I'm, I'm going to share a little bit about the journey into data analytics just because it's yeah, please. relevant to my LinkedIn journey as well. Okay. Um, became interested in data analytics, sort of discovered it um, through like upskilling on my own. I, I had mm -hmm. like, um, I was a, a business operations supervisor for a big staffing company. And I was trying to become the resident Excel expert over there because that was the most technical tool we used. But that kind of uh, was like a gateway tool to stuff like Tableau and Power BI. So I started learning yeah. about data visualization tools and was implementing those for like my team. I had a team of seven. We would look at KPIs together. Mm -hmm. I was just messing around with the tool to get familiar with it. A business analyst role opened uh, <clears throat> at the company. And I kind of wanted to, to make a, like a shift I was kind mm -hmm. of tracking a finance route. I wanted to be a controller. Really liked what I was seeing with um, just like the analytics side, discovering what it was online. I applied for this role. I shadowed a few people who were in the role to kind of see what it was about. I really liked it. Uh, applied, didn't get it. A bunch of people in the company had also applied for it. It was a popular role. And so I kind of went back to the drawing board to like upskill on my own. That's when I discovered tools like SQL. Um, but the big shift for me was I found some creators on LinkedIn. So people like mm -hmm. Annie Nelson and Ian Klausowicz, yep. good friends now, uh, which is really cool to think about. But they really inspired my journey to know exactly what I needed to learn to become a data analyst and how to go for it. So spent some time upskilling, put together a portfolio, which was really big for me and something I used to talk a lot more about. And uh, was able to to get into the the field as a as a business analyst, uh, just with mm -hmm. a different company than I was working for previously. Mm -hmm. uh, and so while I was making that transition, I was documenting it a little bit on LinkedIn. Um, I didn't really start posting consistently until I got a job in data, but I'd started posting about it shortly before, um, just talking about what was working for me and things like that, what I was mm -hmm. learning. And so uh, I just saw that the, the content was performing really well. So I was excited about this new career path. The content about data was performing better than like my finance or productivity content. So I just stuck with it. And uh, I just posted every day for like nine months. Um, and then now I'm like a year or a year and a half, almost two years into posting. And uh, it's just been quite a ride. I've met tons of amazing people. It's given me a lot of confidence in what I'm capable of doing. So I owe a lot to LinkedIn. That's great. And you mentioned earlier that you didn't know what to write about. Uh, that's a classic thing, you know, we hear from people, you know, it could be about, you know, well, I mean, LinkedIn's one thing, it could be Twitter, it could be blogging, whatever it is, you know, I don't, I don't have anything to talk about. Uh, what do you tell people that, uh, that, that tell you that? Great question. Um, yeah, so what I tell people and, and kind of what I did for myself is in the, be the beginning, I think it's all about experimentation and getting your reps in. So there's sort of two degrees of thought with this. So some people say, uh, never post just to post only post if you have something really meaningful to say. Um, but I, I'm more on the camp of, I, I believe in getting your reps in. And I think, uh, in, in the beginning, especially just post as much as you can, 
try different topics, see, see what meets the intersection of what you enjoy talking about and what other people seem to want to hear, which you would measure by your engagement. Um, mm -hmm. So I think posting frequently and just experimenting is a good way to go. So, uh, you know, if you pick like three topics you want to talk about and then you notice one of those topics starts performing a lot better, lean into that a little bit more. And uh, I think eventually through that, you'll find uh, a niche of sorts, at least like a topic that you want to yeah. talk about. And then as you progress, you can work on maybe niching that down into something more specific to be um, more of an authority in a particular area, you know, but that's the advice I would give you. You just want to experiment a lot and get really used to the idea of doing it. I forget uh, what the study was, but I read in a book, I think it was, um, I want to say it was Atomic Habits. She may have read that mm -hmm. book. Um, you always post really great book suggestions in your, uh, your newsletter. Um, but there, there was a study, um, I forget what uh, college it was done by, but they put two groups against each other. With one of them, they just had like a, a set amount of time to make one really great oh, project. And then the other one, they had to make like a, a project every day or whatever. And I don't, I don't, I forget. It was a photography me. project. Yeah. Photography. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the one group, they yeah, had the all first, this time. The first group had to turn in one picture at the end of, well, ultimately they all had to turn in one picture at the end of the semester, but the mm -hmm. one group was told they had to take a picture every day or something like that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that group did way better or they, yeah. they, they had the winning result or the better result. And it was kind of evidence that when you get a lot of practice in, it actually uh, it helps you to progress much faster than if you just put a lot of time into making one thing really, really mm -hmm. good. Because you, you kind of learn through failure, you know, or you learn by seeing what doesn't work. And I yeah. think the same applies to posting. If you have post, you're going to have posts that flop, okay? And you just learn, okay, I won't do that again, or <laughs> what I could have done better. And then that helps you get towards better posts or better right. ideas. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always very frustrating to me when you get really excited about a post you have going and then it, it's like, oh, this is going to be a good one. And then nobody knows. Yeah. The cricket, and, right? and then the post that takes you five minutes to put together ends up getting hundreds. Yeah. Go crazy. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's really funny the way that works. Yeah. And yeah. I, I've also heard that, you know, you should write for people that are like two steps behind you. Yeah. Um, so if you yeah, think the way about I've it, heard it is like three months behind you. Three okay. Yeah. Well, behind yeah. You. yeah. 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 So write for your old self. Yeah. And that's what I did yeah. the beginning when I was talking about data, because I definitely had those thoughts of like, who am I? You know, this brand new data analyst. I'm still pretty new to the field. Um, but who am I like brand new data analyst talking about, you know, getting into data or whatever, like, or just like what's worked. And I just had that mindset of talking to the person who's three to six months behind me, two steps behind me. Like, yeah, I'm not mm -hmm. an expert. Still, I'm not far from it. But uh, I can help someone who's not there yet. Um, there's a lot of people on LinkedIn that talk about like how to break into data or whatever or whatever. <clears throat> and that's a little intimidating. Um, and I've, I've heard people express the same things. I definitely have like, oh, who am I? I'm just another voice. But I just say the more the merrier. I mean, you could apply that to yeah. any. How many personal trainers are there out there? How many? You know, how many uh, copywriters are there out there? Like whatever. Like there's always going to be tons of people kind of saying similar things but what people are going to fall in love with is your personality or your personal yeah. brand they're going to want to hear from andy like yeah there might be 
I don't know, 10 other other people talking about data visualization or Tableau, but but people like Andy, they want to hear from him. And your personal right. brand is what makes you stand out from anyone else. So yeah. never worry about how many other voices are in the room. Just be yourself and and try to make great content and that'll mm -hmm. work. Yeah. You, you yeah. mentioned personal brand there. There's a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's a very polarizing topic, I guess. Like I, and, and like kind of how do you define your personal brand? Like for me, the personal brand is basically your portfolio, right? Um, what are the, you know, um, you know, what does your portfolio look like? That's one thing, but also what are you saying? You know, what do people think of you? Uh, the brand doesn't mean a logo or anything like that. But when, when you think of when somebody tells you that or you tell somebody that to work on their brand, their personal brand, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I think it's your online presence, um, I guess, is more how I think about it. Okay. Um, like people kind of getting to know you through the screen. So the things you talk about, the way you say things, your values, your principles, um, and your personality, that's that's all projected through the content that you write. Because um, to me, pers like personal brand, because like a company brand's one thing, personal brand is a little bit synonymous with uh, with content. You, people get to know your personal brand through your content or just through your online presence in some mm -hmm. store like LinkedIn, um, X, wherever it may be, Instagram. Um, but us, you and I, we're most active on LinkedIn. So kind of making it more specific to that. But when you, you know, you, people get to know your personal brand through the content you create, through your profile, through the, like you said, the work that you show. Um, for a data analyst, that might be your, your portfolio um for other careers it, it could you know mean any number of things testimonies from your clients whatever but uh yeah so i i think it's a a little little bit of of uh what you said there of, of like or at least in, in my view of like your portfolio and all that your work um but then also just the personality that's projected through the screen so like for me um like my personal brand People can get a feel for that personal brand when they see the content that I make mm -hmm. and whatever uh, kind of opportunities that leads to or whatever, um, be it career opportunities or, or otherwise, uh, if your personal brand is something that's helping you there, it's because they, they like what they see. They want to hire that person, do business with that person. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, do, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And following up on that, then you have written an ebook as well. And part of that is mm -hmm. your personal brand, right? So I, it's called uh, the yeah. data, the data portfolio guidebook. Um, tell everybody a bit about that, where they can get it, what it's, what it's about, you know, what led you to write it? Sure. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's on Gumroad. It can be uh, accessed through my profile currently on LinkedIn, um, which, you know, First name Matt, last name Mike. Type in Matt Mike to find my LinkedIn profile. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, it is a ebook on how to create a data portfolio from scratch, as well as some advice for how to optimize your LinkedIn profile and uh, kind of network. So it's meant to help someone who already has some data skills. Um, put that together into a portfolio for employers 
mm -hmm. and to market themselves on LinkedIn. So I put it together um, last year. Well, actually, it was very late 2022. I put it together. Um, and I put it together based on my experience putting together my own portfolio. So when I was getting into the field in 2022, I had a hard time finding resources on creating a data portfolio. Most of what I saw was kind of really rough looking websites um, that were custom made or something or like GitHub, which just my personal belief is I think using GitHub as a portfolio is not the best. GitHub is a, a great place to host code and things like that or resources, but it's kind of ugly. I mean, I think that's why they made GitHub pages is so that you can turn your GitHub into an actual like nice looking website. Um, so I sort of scrapped together ideas that I saw from various creators and um, created my own portfolio, which I thought looked pretty good for uh, for like where I was at in my career and uh, sort of documented how I did that in the ebook. Um, okay. And I think it's been really helpful to a lot of people. Um, I'm actually working on doing like a second edition this year, just because I've learned a lot since I wrote it. I think a lot of the same principles still apply, but I've learned a lot personally about what makes a great portfolio. And now it's it's a little different because now there there are, I think there's been a lot more effort from other platforms to create resources for portfolios that didn't mm -hmm. didn't exist when I was putting together mine. Um, but the way I did it, I think is still a good way to do it. Um, but it's not just about like the way I did it. I talk about like why it's important to have one or wherever you're going to create it, these are the things you should have in it. So it's more about the principles of what makes a good portfolio rather than a step-by-step, -step, these are the best resources to do it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I yeah, do some yeah. resources, yeah. And when you, when you say, you know, to, to create your best portfolio, um, do you mean just your best work or do you mean all of your work that shows a progression in your skills? Like, which is more, I, I personally am in the camp yeah. for the latter, uh, okay. because, you know, if I'm an employer, if I'm going to mm -hmm. hire, uh, if I'm going to hire Matt and Mike, you apply for a job and I ask you for your link to your portfolio. I want to see that, you know, how to improve over time where some mm -hmm. people just want to look at, you know, this is. You, you know, here's my greatest hits. So which, yeah, which can well, we call I'd, in? I'd love to hear more about more your perspective um, from what you shared there. I'll say real quick for me, my view is putting your best work, like three to five of your best projects. And the main reason for that is um, I think putting too many projects in a portfolio can it can be kind of exhaustive so like in your github you might have like mm -hmm. everything you've ever done but if you have a landing page style portfolio like a website right. Right. you might just feature the best just because i think it gets exhaustive otherwise it's gonna be hard for someone to dig through maybe 20 projects and i think it's different with the tableau public too like tableau public i think everything should stay there you know you can have lots of lots of work there and you can feature certain work um so that's the main reason I, I advocate for having, I guess, like your best projects mm -hmm. there. But I think you could probably strategically do that in a way where you do kind of show a progression even with that. But um, but I would love to hear 
more of of uh, your perspective as an employer, what you like to see from a portfolio like you shared there. Yeah, I mean, what I'm looking for is people that are teachable. Um, and people that are teachable usually show that they can make progress over time. Um, so that's just one of the factors that, that I look for. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, because I do a lot of stuff with Tableau, Tableau Public is, the, is naturally the place that I go. And usually when people are applying um, or I'm looking at their, uh, their portfolio, there aren't that many things on there. But, you know, when people first start with Tableau, they usually make big leaps at the very beginning. You know, they go, they think they're an eight out of 10 after a month. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they realize a couple months later, they're about a two, right? They just started learning. Um, but uh, so, but if it's a really huge profile, um, you know, that, that's quite different. I could see how that's exhausting. But also, I guess, you, you know, you mentioned a landing page there. The purpose is different for that, I guess. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I can see now that you mentioned that nobody's ever mentioned a landing page to me before. I can see how a landing page would be super useful for having just your, you know, your best work there. That, um, it's kind of the yeah, idea. That, that, that makes sense. So I guess it's a different purpose, right? Yeah, I guess so. Cause, cause again, I think, yeah, like on a GitHub or Tableau publics, like you should have a place where all your work is. And even in your like landing page style portfolio, there should be links to those things. So even if right. your GitHub isn't your main portfolio, you should still have a link to your GitHub so people right. can see more. Um, in my experience, like most people who look at a portfolio aren't digging too deep unless I'm have their I'm having an interview with that person. Like if right. they're getting for an interview. And I've even set up like um for it's like marketing software to track how many people click your portfolio, your website, where they click. It will even give you videos of like where they mm -hmm. hover around. And so I can see where like people I was going to interview with, where they were digging around in my portfolio, which is really helpful. Oh, so so you could strategically move things then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't used it as much uh, like lately or I, I was I was trying it for a while and then I kind of revamped my portfolio and didn't include it again. But that was an interesting experiment. But yeah, I, I saw that, you know, when, when you're going to have an interview with someone, they dig a little bit deeper and they yeah. look other sites like github tableau public but with the portfolio i sort of uh view it as being like a home base for all your best stuff so you you want to throw in yeah a, mm -hmm. a handful like maybe five max of your best projects have links to your other pages like you should have like little buttons to take people to linkedin github tableau public wherever mm -hmm. else um, and as, as well as like, if you have any proprietary certifications, like, a you know, Tableau data analyst cert from Tableau or the Microsoft certifications, mm -hmm. maybe just a little bit more about yourself. So it's not supposed to act like a resume though. Right. Another thing I think to add to is like mine has a button that takes you to a resume on my Google drive. So you can still view my resume from my portfolio. Right. Um, but the purpose of it is not to be a resume. So okay. that's how I've seen it. Cause even from like a marketing perspective, if people have to click around too much, they're going to, they, they could lose interest quickly. If you overwhelm them with too much in, information, they could lose interest quickly. So the portfolio, uh, is meant to help get you interviews. Um, it's, but it's also something in, in my mind, it's also something to talk about in an interview. 
So mm-hmm. I've even like in interviews walked through my portfolio, my portfolio website live with the interviewers mm-hmm. and talked through specific projects. And we even had people ask like how I made the website, which was really interesting. Like, wow, like this is really cool. Like, what tools did you make to, you know, did you use to make this uh, website? So, you know, some employers won't even look at a portfolio. They don't care. Um, but some do. So if, if a lot of them do, then I think it's a good thing to put together. And some people get jobs and data, like their first jobs without even having a portfolio. That's fine. But a lot of people, uh, for a lot of people, it does help them. For me, it has served me very well. So I think it's a good thing to have if it's Mm -hmm. a competitive job market and you need to do everything you can to stand out, especially if you're coming from a non-technical background it's a no brainer to me to have some sort of a portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can't hurt, right? Yeah. Can't it's hurt. That's you increase your chances. Yeah. Yeah. Unless your work is so bad, <laughs> then maybe it can work against you, but I think yeah. that won't be the case for most. Yeah. People. Maybe you should consider another career change. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I put a poll up on LinkedIn last week about, um, you know, how do people start learning, um, and I think you left a comment on it, but you know, 63% of the people said they were self-taught. It was around like, I think around like 1200 people responded. Wow. So a really good sample size. Um, and you're self-taught, right? You, you learned over nights and weekends and all that. Um, mm-hmm. can, you, can you tell me a bit about your learning journey? Like what resources did you use? Um, you know, what do you recommend to people? Do you recommend people still are self-taught or they go to classes or a combination or what's your strategy there and what would you recommend? Or I guess first tell me about what resources you used and then uh, what would you do differently now? Yeah, okay, that's that's great. Yeah, so what I did, and just because this is what I did doesn't mean it's the best way to do it. I just typed into Google, you know, like Excel courses, and uh, I, I found this website, Go Skills. I checked out a couple and, and they seemed like a pretty good one. They were really great. I did a course on uh, like beginner to advanced Excel, a course on pivot tables, course on dashboards. And those were still like, uh, they were really good Excel courses. Um, and I learned a ton through them. And I learned how to really dashboard effectively on Excel, like creating charts that actually look good. Mm-hmm. I, I see some... Excel resources out there where like they're really good in teaching you how to use Excel, but sometimes I see resources on Excel dashboarding that aren't, aren't too good. Um, but anyways, I, I learned it there. And then that's also where I took like my first like intro to Tableau course. That was all they had. And it was like super duper mega basic, but it was like <laughs> intro. And then I also took a Power BI course on Go Skills. And that one was decent, but it was comprehensive. It didn't go super into detail. Um, then I discovered uh, like Udemy. Yeah. I discovered Udemy through uh, Ian Klauswicz, who He also has an ebook, How to Become a Data Analyst. And he talked about the courses he took. And I took the same ones like on Udemy. But the main one was uh, like a SQL boot camp. It's like a, a A to Z SQL bootcamp, um, which mm-hmm. was really good. still one of the best SQL courses I've ever taken. Um, and after that, I got to work on a portfolio. So it was mostly courses on Go Skills and Udemy that I learned. And I, I would just make projects too to kind of practice. Um, now, I think courses are still really helpful. 
Um, I think it's good to take like a comprehensive course in each skill. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, maybe just like one comprehensive course in each skill. Um, make a few projects for each skill. But I do think like uh, um, learning environments are really helpful, like cohort style almost. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I think there's a lot of boot camps out there that are really suspect. It's sometimes there'll be like a ten thousand dollar boot camp that just has you take data camp courses, and to me that's right. that's like a, a scam. And I think there's a lot of those out there. I think I I was really interested in a particular boot camp at one point. Maybe it was good, maybe it wasn't. But I think there's a middle ground where there's there's resources that aren't quite boot camps, but they are kind of a mixture of uh, proprietary learning material and mentorship. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've never done anything like that, but I know uh, a few people who do things like that and can attest that it's incredibly high quality type stuff that I would take myself if I was just starting out. Um, but maybe if someone has a smaller budget, whatever it may be, um, online courses are a good way to go. But a mistake some people make is they get into like course purgatory, I call it, and they just take course after course, mm. don't really go anywhere. And that's where just creating a lot of really great projects, I think, is super helpful because then you're actually applying the material while building a portfolio. So right, right, yeah, that's yeah. My long you know, answer to your question. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, and you, you'll you'll your skills will improve much faster too. If you're actually, instead of just sitting there watching the video, if you actually build something and then on top of that, what if you write about it? And then what if you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what if you share that with people and all that stuff goes together, right? And then somebody else is going to learn from you and you're going to be then two steps ahead of that person. Yeah. And now you're writing for that person and it just kind of snowballs from there. And I think people just sometimes don't, don't see the value in that or, or, um, you know, but you know, like you and I, we both, the switch flipped on at some point. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Um, so uh, I, wanna, I, I need to wrap up here in a minute. But uh, so for, for anybody that's listening, that's an, that's an aspiring uh, data analyst or looking for a career change, what's the final piece of advice you might give them based on your journey? Uh, so I would say get involved in the, the LinkedIn community. Just get active there. Start finding some some great folks to follow. There's lots of them out there. Um, and uh, e even consider creating content yourself, but, um, LinkedIn is great because it's also almost like, a it's, it's like going to a farmer's market, man. I, <laughs> tons of people who have these really niche resources that are just so incredible hmm. stuff that you don't find anywhere else. Like people who are kind of early on creating it, or it's not going to be on some, some big, huge website platform. But there's lots of good stuff there, coaching, digital products, um, cohorts, things like that. That could be hard to find otherwise. So getting involved in LinkedIn will teach you what you need to do. It'll give you access to really great resources that you might have a hard time finding somewhere else. And you'll, you'll make some really great connections along the way. So along with that, take some courses, but also focus heavily on creating projects um and putting together just a really solid portfolio mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's kind of my advice kind of wrapped up in a nutshell um 
Great. Now, now if if you um, had to start your LinkedIn profile all over again, or let's just say that yeah, your current profile, you're only allowed to follow three people. Who would they be? Oh boy. Put, putting the pressure on Andy. <laughs> uh, well, of course the great and powerful Andy Kreibel. Right. No, I, I mean, I really do. I really do love your, your I mean, like anybody, anybody, right. You know, yeah. I would probably have, for example, I would have Justin Welsh as one of the people I would follow. Yeah. Okay. So not just data people then. Oh yeah. Anybody. Well, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to say Justin Welsh too, because he was the one that inspired me to create content. He, yeah. he, I was following him day after day after day for many months before I even started posting. Justin Welsh is a really great one. Uh, I also really love Matt Barker. Uh, okay. He's yep. a copywriter, but he will help you to be really good at writing online. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, and let's see. I had to pick a third, not just data people. Um, so Laura Acosta is, a, is another really great creator. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll intentionally keep it off of data to not not pick favorites. But yeah, there you go. All yeah. people that like I, I genuinely like I love their content. I've been following it for a while. If I had to pick a fourth, Jasmine Alec, he's incredible. Um, but yeah, but like Laura, uh, Matt and Justin, great follows, very inspiring. We'll help you to write better. We'll, we'll really, you know, um, help you have a, a good personal brand too. Cause they mm -hmm. talk about personal branding and I think personal branding kind of like we covered, I do think it's helpful for the data job hunt because if you're creating content on LinkedIn could lead to a lot of, uh, opportunities, but also connections. Yeah. That I mean, work for a lot employers of look at that. You know, mm -hmm. they, 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 go, they go to your LinkedIn profile. I don't think they don't. Right. Yeah. And if they if they see you publishing a lot and sharing a lot of interesting things, they're going to, oh, this person can really bring a lot of value to us. So, yeah. 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 yeah so it's great. Important. Yeah. Well, well, thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate you joining me today. And uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? I guess LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn would be the best place. If you go there, you could find out everything else I do. I have a YouTube channel, too. But LinkedIn is is going to be my personal home base for anything. Great. And I'll include a link to that in the description. So thank you very much and have a good rest of your day. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate you having me on.